something unique that rang in my ears. What's that? When you give, God gives it back. Absolutely. Then why don't you start giving me stuff? He got right. a raise Praise last week. God, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, we started generosity last week. And let's turn our Bibles today to Luke, the third chapter in verse 7. Generosity. Don't hear much about that, but we do see uh, the byproducts of it in people's lives. Generosity is the act of kindness or being kind. It defines a person of giving something that is unexpected. Generosity is an expression of one's value of something else or of someone else. It is a priority. It puts things in order. And so we started talking about generosity last week. And as we get into this, I believe that you and I are going to find more about generosity. Really, I'll make a very bold statement. You can't hardly declare Christ-likeness without generosity being in your life. And so in Luke, the third chapter, and verse 7 through 11, it says these words. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, of the generation of the vipers, who hath warned thee to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy, fruits worthy, worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father, and so, and say to you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees, and every tree therefore which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answered and saideth unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to one that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. What did Jesus round up these men's questions about what they were supposed to do as being people that were starting afresh with God. Well, they were supposed to, number one, become generous. Become generous. If you have one coat, give it to somebody that doesn't have another. The second thing we are supposed to do is to share our food or the meat that we have. And the Bible says here that we are to bring forth fruit meant for repentance. In other words, 
it is a fruit that will identify that your life has been transformed, that there has been an encounter by God, that it hasn't just been a religious thing. See, Jesus came to put the axe to the root of religion. He does not like religion which acknowledges what we should do but does nothing with it or mixes no faith in it. And so Jesus says, look, I want you to do this. First of all, bring forth fruit. That word fruit simply means bring forth something of value. In other words, a Christian life without generosity, a Christian life that just harbors the harvest of a life is not Christianity at all. Okay? Now, I'm just telling you right now, the Methodist church is waiting for this message. And so you guys get in it. Now, what happens is that action comes out of gratitude. Action comes out of gratitude. Now, when we get born again, anybody remember the scenario that we are grafted in to the original plan of God, which is the olive tree? Now, some would say, well, we become Jews. You are never going to be a Jew. You are forbidden to become a Jew. You are forbidden to cross over, and the Jews are forbidden to make converts of Gentiles. It's all through the Scriptures. But some people want to get into that. But what you have to understand is Jesus is the fullness of every feast. You don't have to visit it. You don't have to keep it. You have already ran into Jesus Christ and he is the fullness. Therefore, no man can judge you in any feast or any time or any holy day or ho uh, uh, a holiday or of the Sabbath. So those things are just dead ends that go nowhere. Listen, Jesus is the primary purpose of redemption. Amen. All of the other is a shadow but Jesus is the real thing. Amen. Now, let's realize this, that when you and I get engrafted into Christ, then we are to bear fruit that reveals that the engraftment has been successful. Jesus said you will know them by their fruits. They declared, these are Christians in the book of Acts. These are Christians. They're nothing else. They are Christians, Christ-like people. Now, why does he say that? Because our activity that you and I are to be active in right now, being generous with all that we have, because we have nothing except God has given it to us. And when we are generous, we show generosity, 
what we are doing is we are showing the nature of Christ that has come out of the original olive tree into the engrafted olive branch that was once wild. Therefore, you cannot tell the difference of the tree and the branch. And that's where we are called Christians. So we are really put in a place that we must produce generosity or acts of generosity. Amen? Generosity destroys several things in our life. And this is why it's so important that we do it. See, we might not want to do it. You might think, oh, do we have to do this? Do we have to do that? No, you can stay just the way you are. You can short-circuit the life that is in the olive tree that is headed your way. Yes, you can short-circuit the fruit that you should be producing. Yes, you, should short, you can short-circuit everything that God wants you to do, or you can produce generosity in your life. So you and I as Christians need to have active generosity. Generosity, 2 Timothy 3, 2, tells us that it will destroy self-love. It will destroy self-love. Oh, well, that, that's not a problem with me. I, I, I love God more than me. No, no, no. Everybody is going to deal with self-love. It just means that you can mess things up and reprioritize your life, and you could put a value on you more than someone else. But that's not the high calling of Christianity. The high calling of Christianity is that you put everybody above yourself, and as Christ gave his life for you, you give your life for others. Could I get an amen? And so if we, as Christians, know that we are to be generous, kind, giving, that we realize that we are looking for people that need an encounter with God. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's them three Methodists slipped, slipped in. Praise God. And uh, so we want to realize we want to destroy self-love. The only way you can do that is to prioritize somebody else over yourself. The second thing we need to do is that when we operate in generosity, we break the power of covetousness. We don't covet things. But you know, we have buildings that have bigger toys, and you know, I'm just as bad as everybody else. But know this, that I am also a very generous man. I mean, I, whew, yep. I, I just am. I'm, I'm a giver. I'm not a seller. I'm, I'm not a bargainer. I'm a giver. Because if I've already been blessed with the substance to buy something, well, you say, well, you ought to make money off of it. Well, I guess that I could, 
But there is a great secret. If I give something, it'll be given back to me. And so I'm a generous person. Number three, you can destroy boasting and pride by generosity. Boasting and pride. You can also destroy the root of unthankfulness and unholiness. When I say unholiness, I don't mean that you would quit sinning. What it means is you begin to take on the nature of God. God was a generous God. He needed nothing, but he showed kindness to lost mankind. And so we as Christians want to be generous. Somebody say generous. Generous, praise God. Now, we as Christians, somebody say Christians, we want to make sure that we live in the doctrines of the church. And the, one of the doctrines of the church is generosity. Generosity. And we should be known for that. I was thinking today about 4.30 this morning and as I was sitting at the desk and I, I thought to myself, God, wouldn't it be wonderful if my community needed a hospital and I could step in and not raise their taxes. I could step in and, you know, not guarantee their wages and I could step in and not create a hospital where they had to take money, but a hospital that could just give personal care. Don't you think that would be wonderful? Well, that's generosity. What if they needed a new school? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you and I could come together and build them a new school? Do you think you would get their attention? Do you think you would have their ear? Yes. But see, we as Christians want to be confined to our utopia. But our utopia is bigger than who we are and the churches that we attend. It is the purpose to see God lifted up in the midst of a sinful world. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, Holy Grunt. Praise God. No doctrine without action is sound enough to live by. In other words, if we have the doctrine of generosity, which we do, and we don't put action with it, it is just a doctrine that means nothing to us. It means nothing to us. But we want to make sure that we are generous people. Amen? Let's go to Titus 2, 6 through 8. Titus 2, 6 through 8. So generosity, we are to be generous with our children. Not that we give them everything that they want, but we ought to be generous with our love. We ought to be generous with our time. We ought to be generous with the things that they need us involved in. And yes, when it comes to doing things that need to be done, then we want to make sure that we're generous. 
generous. I let Phyllis buy everybody's Christmas, and she buys her own. That's a terrible thing, but it's a scary thing. But then I buy them something on my own. She said, well, why do you have to do that? I already got it. I said, I'm not interested in your expression of love. I want to show my own. So I get them weird stuff, stuff that nobody would ever want, and hopefully stuff that will at least last three years before it hits the garage sale. Any of your grandparents know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I spend $100 for something I see it at the yard sale and buy it back for 10 cents. I just recycle it. <laughs> Titus 2, 6, it says this. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, works. Generosity is faith in motion. A lack of, of generosity is simply a good idea without faith. And then it says this, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptedness, corruptibleness, gravity, and sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, and he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed of having no evil thing to say about you. How can you stop people from speaking evil about you? Have a pattern of generosity. Because love will never fail. But everything else that we try to do to win the world will fail because it's not God-supported and it's not God-born. So you and I as Christians are to be generous, like Thanksgiving. This is Thanksgiving season. Now, we used to do, I don't know, three, four, five hundred Thanksgiving uh, dinners every Thanksgiving. Then I realized something that everybody was counting on their church to be the generous expression of somebody else's love. And all we were doing is taking money and doing what you, as a congregation, should be doing on their own. So I stopped it. Yes, people complain. Yes, people, yep, they did. But I started thinking like this. If you see a need, it is more scriptural for you to meet that need and express the love of God through generosity than it is for your church to express your identity that you don't have enough devotion to fulfill. Well, I go to Only Believe Ministries. We got this and we got that. We got this. We, the, we are not your identity. Please understand, 
Your church cannot display your faith. People say, well, I go to, I, I had somebody tell me one time, look, I'm this denomination and I'm going to heaven. I said, he, who told you that? And he said, the, the head of the thing. And I, I said, well, buddy, you need to be saved. He said, I don't have to be saved. I am duh, duh, and I'm going to heaven, and I don't care what in the blank, blank you tell me. I thought, okay. Well, he put his faith in an institution. I asked a guy one time, he said, don't you read the Bible? He said, I pay my preacher to do that. I said, okay, oh, all right. People have all kinds of perverted attitudes towards how they are perceived because they belong to a building or a church or a location or a denomination. Your denomination, really your assembly, does not express your devotion to God. Only your actions do. And if you will start doing deeds of generosity, you will shut most of the world's mouth against the good that you are attempting to do. But you have to be involved in it. Amen? And so, there were generous people in Jesus' life. Matthew, the 14th chapter, Jesus was a generous man with his faith. Have you ever used your faith for somebody else's breakthrough? Usually, we, you know, we have the platform of God bless me and mine and, you know, us four no more. Let everybody know that we're blessed and they need to be who we are. Well, that's not true at all. But so many people never use their faith for other people. In fact, people that really have needs that we see, they're what I want to call the grocery how do I want to say this? They're, they're like the grocery invisibles. Have you ever seen somebody come around the corner and you see them? And you immediately think, oh, my word, they're going to want to talk about their dad that died 50 years ago. Oh, my word, he, he's going to tell us about the divorce. Dolores and the, oh, my word, I, I can't stand that today. What is that? That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus at all. But we do it. And we see people and we want to be invisible. We don't want people to know that we're there. Least they share their burden with us that we're supposed to bear. 
How many of us, when we see a problem, and I'm not trying to be mean, I'm not, try, I'm not being critical, I'm just telling you we have to judge ourselves or we're going to find ourselves in a bad place. And so, if we see someone and we don't set faith in motion for their behalf, what does that say about our servitude to love our brother as ourselves. What does it say? Because if you got up right now out of your seat, David, and you walked each one of these aisles, every person has a story. Every person has a battle. Every person has a struggle. Every person is facing a fear. Every person is facing life overall. And that's why Paul said we pray without ceasing because there is no end to the needs of those that live for Christ. There is no end to it. So we have to pray for people. We have to be engaged. Then Josephus was generous to Jesus. He gave him his tomb. And believe me, Josephus' tomb was expensive. It was a whole garden. So we as Christians have to make sure that we are engaged in the act of generosity. Amen? Generosity is a God thing that helps develop us and prepare us to make room for the expansion and increase of God. See, if we do nothing with what we have, there is no sense of God being involved in our do-nothingness. But I do want God involved in my life, as I know you do. But we, as Christians, have to not just know about generosity, but do it. Now, I've been talking to you about personal generosity. Personal simply means that you are responsible for it. You might say, oh, man, this Christian stuff is like you really got to work at it. Yeah, you do. You have to develop what comes out of the root of the olive tree to the point that it can flow through you and produce fruit that says that the transition has been successful. So when they see us, do they get to see generosity? Do they get to see Jesus? Do they get to see our faith in action? Love that is not love is simply an emotional state that changes nothing. When Philip says, honey, I love you, I say, well, wrap your lips around mine and show me. 
my grandkids are withering in their seats right now. Do you know that generosity is an act of good stewardship in the eyes of God? We have something and we use something to establish the kingdom in someone else's life. Hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and look at verse 1 through 8. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Second Corinthians 9, 1 says this, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know that the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you, of them at Macedonia and Achaia, that are ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. And it says, yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain, and in this thing behalf that I said ye may be ready. Least happily, if I come with the, those from Macedonia, come with me and find you unprepared, that ye say not ye should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Now, what is Paul talking about? He's saying, when I come with people from an area that has a need, saints, I expect you as a church to minister to the need of those in Macedonia. And I want you to take up an offering and have it prepared. Have it prepared so that I'm not ashamed that I've said you love them, that you are born again, you are the engrafted vine, and you do not act like Christ. And then he says, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, wherefore ye had not noticed be that ye had noticed before, and that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. This I say, he that soweth sparingly. Now, let's stop right there. We use that all the time. But really, what is the crust of this section of Scripture? Generosity generosity if you are generous sparingly it will come back to you sparingly if you are abundant in your generosity you'll receive it back in an abundance amen and it says every man watch this every man according as he purposes in his heart so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loveth a cheerful giver. In other words, we shouldn't have to 
highlight a need in our congregation. The generosity of its members should have already taken care of the need. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you having all things in all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good what work. What is that sufficiency? That you are enabled of God to be generous. To be generous. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, that's God, ministers bread for your food, multiplies your seed sown, and increases the fruits of your righteousness or your Christ-likeness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God for the administration of this service. What service? Generosity. It is a ministry and it is a service. It is an expression of your identity and it is the heart of God. And it says, only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving unto God. Whiles by the experiment of the ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ for your liberal distribution unto who? Them and unto all men. We are not just to live and be generous within our own means. That doesn't mean you borrow money. It doesn't mean that you, you know, take money or don't pay your bills. That's not what I'm saying at all. But when God gives you a seed, he's given you a seed for empowerment for generosity. That the saints will see your faith in submission to God's plan and they will glorify God through thanksgiving. You know your generosity can unlock the caverns that have lost their song. Yep, hallelujah. Praise God. Aren't you glad this is about over? I am. All right, so personal generosity must be developed for you. Not for other people, but for you. You need generosity in your life. Generosity is an act of your faith. Generosity builds treasures in heaven. Let's go to Matthew. Well, let's not turn there. Let's just have it on the screen. Matthew 6, 19. And while that's coming up, let you and I go to, oh, well, never mind. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt where the thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures, where? In heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Next verse. 
for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, your heart can wander to many things to do in life because you're not a generous person. Now, when you are generous, your reward is established in heaven. It's established in heaven. That's how you lay up, doing kind deeds to other people. Now, let's go to Mark, the 12th chapter, and praise God, we're on the home run down here, quickly. Yes. Mark, the 12th chapter. And let's look at verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than they which have cast into the treasury. For they did cast of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now, we've heard this, that, you know, she gave it all and Jesus was going to meet her need. and get... That's really not what this story is about. This story is about the treasury. It's not about the tithe. The tithe was given directly to the Levitical priesthood. It was not used as it was today. It was used a little differently, monitored a little differently, and governed a little differently. But the tithe was taken before the priesthood. And this was between the priest and this individual with God observing. And so they would bring the tithe, but that wasn't this treasury. This treasury was used for the care of the temple. We find that back in Leviticus, the 35th chapter, that says God told Moses, look, take from everybody that is willing a free offering if they want me to dwell here and let them build me a sanctuary. And that's what they did. And after they built that sanctuary, later on, down in First Chronicles, there was a king that rose up and said, look, we've got things going on. The temple isn't being provided for. We need money. So he came up with, I'm going to make treasury boxes. And I'm going to tell the people, it's not my obligation to take care of your value of God. And how you value God will be how the world sees 
you conducting things in his name. So, this woman, when she comes up, she casts in all that she has. Now, there certainly is a reward for that in heaven and on earth, but the whole purpose of her giving all that she had was that the house of God would be sustained. Now, you remember that when David said, God, when they come to this house, Father, you hear them. Stranger, sinner, defeated, bound, beat up, you hear them. God said, okay, that's the covenant. And that's how the synagogue got its name, the house of prayer. Now, this woman gives all that she has for the devotion of the well-being or maintained synagogue of God, a representative of the God that she believed in. She also believed that it needed to be sustained that others would believe. And so she was involved in that. Now, let's go over to Haggai. Haggai 1. Haggai 1. Somebody say generosity. generosity. Aren't you glad this is not next week's message? Hallelujah. But folks, it's important that we engage in the things that God calls us to be engaged. If you will do what God tells you to do, you will find yourself overthrowing your enemies before you have to face them. You don't want to have to face self, self-love, unthankfulness, greed. Start being generous. But if you try to handle it on your own, you will find yourself bound by things you can't get free of. Remember what Jesus said, so important. If you find the truth, there's freedom in it. If you continue in it. In other words, all you got to do is do what the Bible tells you to do, and you'll break most of the shackles in your life. All right, Haggai 1.3 says, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, saying, It is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your circled houses, and this house lie waste. Now therefore saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think of where your value system has went wrong. And it says, You have sown much, but you bring in little. You eat, and yet you have not enough. You drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe, ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages and put them in a bag with holes. With holes. In other words, it doesn't matter how much you sow. When it's coming into a bag with holes in it, because we are not considering 
the house of God, we don't have a God problem, we have a us problem. And then it says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood, build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye look for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because mine house that is waste, and ye run every man to his own house. Now, what was the problem of lack in Israel? A lack of generosity towards God. A lack of generosity towards God. That is true today. That is true today. God is on the short end of the stick. If anything is going to be recalculated, reprioritized, revalued, it's going to be what we do for God. Now, I don't know how that equates in our mind of putting God first. And some of you might just be really bent out of shape, but I can't help it. I, I didn't write this. I'm just telling you this is one of the problems of men sowing and not reaping. The reaping comes, it just drains out. Now, God has a purpose for us, but we have to understand that he is first and foremost in all purposes. And if we do not develop the nature of God, then what God has given us will not come to us. Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 16 down through 21, there was a man. Man, he was a blessed man. He put his hands to it, and lo and behold, man, it exploded. He just got more than he'd ever had. So he says, look, I'm going to build myself some bigger barns. The reason I'm going to build bigger barns, I just got a big harvest. And if I did it once, I'm going to do it again. Well, pretty soon... God heard his boasting. And the Bible says, hey, hey, you, I want to know something. Where did you get what you have? Well, of my own hands. Wrong answer. Don't tell God that. Then the Bible says this, that God says, you will lose your soul, O wicked man. Wow. And then it says, the reason that this happened was because when men are rich towards their self and not rich towards God, it is an evil way of life.
Here, David, here's the ticket. This is a ticket to 20% off of all tithe over 10%. Now, you and I are going to be generous. We're going to start loving our brother the way that we need to love our brothers. And if you struggle, I, I don't know if you can take all the scriptures then just come, let us reason together. But I think that we have all come short of caring for our brothers and sisters and for being a light to the world. That we need to be generous. That we need to be kind. We need to be lovers of other people instead of lovers of ourself. You have the nature of an olive tree. And you have been engrafted. And that life of that olive tree from the root of Jesse is sending forth a transforming life force that is changing you into Christ-likeness. And it's time for you and I to let the fruit come forth. Just to let the fruit come forth. Let it come forth. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet. Somebody say this with me, I am a part of the root of Jesse. I am the branch that bears fruit. God is glorified in my life. I am a generous individual. As God leads me and as I see, as I am able, I will touch people. God, the only thing that is important is my heavenly account. Now, God, use me. Let me use my faith generously for others. God, let me be mindful of others' toil. And God, use me that people will see Christ in me. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for all that you've done. Hallelujah. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Everybody that's saved has been where you are. But Jesus was generous towards us and towards you. And he gave his life and he come to give you life in it more abundantly. Jesus generously poured out his blood that you could be saved. 
If you are here today and you're not a Christian, you're here today and you've never received Christ as your personal Savior. Well, he came that you could receive the spirit of adoption. That you could call God Abba Father. That your name could be written in the Lamb's book of life. And he's here today. Just like he was here the day that I gave my life to Christ. He was here when the people beside you gave their life to Christ. So we just want to invite you to receive Christ and to become a part of the family of God. So I ask everybody to pray this prayer with me today. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son. I believe he came born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sins. I believe after the third day, you, God, raised him from the dead, and he is now alive today. Jesus, come into my heart. I declare you as Lord of my life. From this moment on, I will live for you as you died for me. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to come up front. There will be altar workers up here, people that are waiting to pray for people. And so please come, give them your testimony. They're going to get it to me so that I am aware of it uh, because I have to head for another country here in just a few minutes. So you get it to them and they'll get it to me. Is there a Samantha here? A Samantha? Samantha. Okay, if you're on online, Samantha, I don't like that online stuff, but it does work. And uh, Samantha, I, I see that you're having this pain here up here in your chest, and you're concerned about it. You haven't even told your husband. But I tell you this in the name of Jesus, that that will subside. It's not a heart problem. It is an anxiety problem. And I see that stress disappearing right now. And Samantha, you are going to be fine. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, let's everybody just stretch your hand out to the right and to the left. Declare blessing upon the people of God. God, bring them up, bring them out. Give them a breakthrough, God. God, let their enemies be scattered. God, let their enemies, God, never be remembered again. Let their enemies' names, God, be extinguished. God, lift them up, enlarge them, increase them, God. And, Father, make a way where there is no way. God, give favor to those 
that go forth and let favor God open up doors. Father, I loose right now provision upon their life. God, as the birds have it, God, as the grass has it, God, as the trees have it, I loose provision upon their life in Jesus' mighty name. And God, I thank you for it. Amen and amen. Praise God. There is a, like a cyst that uh, your doctor has discovered and uh, it's been causing you problems. You wouldn't think one cyst would do that, but it has with you. And I curse that cyst right now. I command it to go in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, I thank you for it. Go rejoicing and know that God is faithful. Amen and amen. God bless you Wednesday night.